From the Mid-South Van Studio in Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production presents Under the Water Tower. And now, here are your hosts, Derek Biglane and Matt Crane. Morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. How was your weekend? It was good. Uh, left on Friday afternoon. Uh, took the family trip to Nashville for a soccer tournament. Big, uh, I think it was called the Battleground Tournament uh, up in Nashville. And uh, we were able to get the Saturday games in, played two games on Saturday. A real nice tournament. Uh, obviously stayed in Franklin, Cool Springs area. Many of our listeners have, have been there and, and really liked that area. But had a really nice time. And then on as we slept on Sunday morning, uh, just, a, just a gully washer just uh, came down and they canceled the tournament. So only got two games in on Saturday and had to come home a little bit early on Sunday, which was good. We won one and lost one. Not our best weekend of of soccer but that's good i mean you know nashville is a wonderful area i enjoy visiting there so glad you got to do that with the family i i just got to see my family son and i went down and took a uh, a trip down to natchez we had to get a couple pieces of furniture and so bringing that back up and uh got to visit with the family which is nice got to see my my, my cousin got married uh, we were not supposed to be able to attend obviously all the virus they really limited to just the wedding party but since we were down there they allowed us to come in the back of the church and watch that, so that was nice. And then we did a little drive-through reception. Uh, that was on my dad's side of the family. Then my mo- my mother's side, I had a her sister and one of her uh, sister's sons, so my first cousin, uh, came and visited that night. So it was a really nice trip for just an overnight trip to be able to see you know both sides of the family. Uh, got to visit the brewery down there, which is fantastic for uh, a drink afterwards, and then um, you know came back on Sunday. So it was just a you know good 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 weekend and got a lot done. So real quick, last week's show we discussed Labor Day, how we did nothing, we were bored, and you know had had no plans, and then on a, a just a, a supposed to be a trip down to to grab some furniture and Natchez turns into a, a family a wedding, a family uh, get to see an aunt and uncle type situation, uh, go to a brewery. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you partied more on non-Labor Day yeah. on an impromptu. I like it. Yeah. A, little, a little contrarian. You know, we, we decide we, we do everything the weekend after. Right, uh, just, exactly. Just to be different. Just right. Be different. I mean, y'all exchange gifts on like New Year's Eve and oh, stuff yeah, like that. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, just, that kind of thing. Uh, but no, so it was a good trip. And, uh, you know, we had a, a good ride down there, you know, because we were able to use one of the Mid-South Vans. That's right. The uh, Under the Water Tower podcast recorded live at the Mid-South Van Studios right here in Hernando, Mississippi. Mid-South Vans offers 12 and 15 passenger vans for all your church, business, or personal needs. We can provide you with daily, weekly, or monthly rentals. Please give us a call, 662-469-4555. That's 662-469-4555 for all your travel needs. Big night in Hernando tonight for the, the city itself. We don't always say that about Alderman meetings, but there's a, uh, a big Alderman meeting tonight. Uh, today is September 15th. This is the last possible day that budgets have to be approved uh, for cities across Mississippi. And so uh, it has to be, it's, it's by law, it has to be in place by tonight. The, the annual budget is tonight. Uh, they'll, they'll vote on it. Uh, you can kind of, they'll read over it uh, briefly, they'll summarize it, and then they'll uh, put it out and, and vote in public uh, whether they accept the current budget, or they talk about it more, have to amend some more tonight, but it needs to be passed by today. So, again, that's a good thing, to, you know, to, if you want to, you know, tune in uh, afterwards, about an hour afterwards, or if you want to attend at 6 p.m. at City Hall. There's several other things, though, on the budget, and so we'll, we'll I mean, excuse me, on the agenda, 
And so we'll talk about that, but we want to first talk because a lot of the stuff that we'll be talking about tonight was approved by the Planning Commission on Tuesday. Uh, now, Matt reached out to, I think you reached out to one of the Planning Commissioners about this? Natalie Lynch. She is a Planning Commissioner, lives on the uh, southwest side of, uh, of town, and uh, she is nice enough to give us information about what happened at the Planning Commission meeting last Tuesday. Uh, very thorough with her email uh, and assessment of what happened. So Yeah, we, we were hoping to have uh, Natalie on this week, but you know, uh, based on our time commitments, her time commitments, it couldn't work out. She will be on the show in the future. Matt said she did share uh, some of the things that went on, and we'll cover those uh, right now. Well, for start with uh, Dale Wilson. Dale Wilson was looked to rezoning the property next to One Memphis Street right there, green grassy area just to the north of that. They were looking to, uh, he's looking to uh, change that from a uh, C3, commercial three, to a PUD. Uh, he was looking and he uh, asked for three townhomes, two about 1,600 square feet, one about 1,300 square feet. Uh, there wasn't much discussion by the board, by the Planning Commission, and so the design is to have one large building uh, with those three units in there. Very similar, uh, if you're aware, on the ones on Valley Street behind Bancourt South that have those. It's going to be very similar to that where it's one, it looks like one large building with side-by-side-by-side units. Uh, and so, again, two at 1,600 square feet, one at 1,300 square feet. Not much discussion. It was approved. Uh, the final plat approval for Sloan Tresvent Subdivision. This is uh, basically the old gas station that's on Commerce Street that was torn down uh, kind of close to the oil change place just off the interstate. Uh, they were asking to take that lot and the one next to it and make it into one lot. So one larger commercial lot. Okay. Not much discussion. That was approved. Uh, the final plat for combining uh, basically the same thing up uh, in Nesbitt. They will look to um, take two lots into one for the commercial development. This is at Pleasant Hill Road in Nesbitt, west of the interstate, between the Shell Station and Happy Days. So that car wash area right there. Uh, they there were there's two commercial lots. Uh, they asked to have it combined into one commercial lot. It was approved. No, dis- not really much discussion. Uh, and then the final plat. Hey, real, real quick, Derek. I have a little relationship with the one of the guys that works for that that company in, in uh, the what we were just discussing, Nesbitt. Their goal, I believe, is to I think they're going to take out the liquor store that's there, take out the liquor store that's there, and the, and the car wash. Obviously, build a, a pretty big convenience store. Um, obviously, with the uh, Nesbitt exit growing to four lanes or growing to uh, you know fifty five growing the Nesbitt uh, exit uh, widening, they're they're investing in, in that being the first gas station when you get off the interstate. So that's the goal is for to have a very large gas station right there uh, where that car wash goes uh, sometime in the next three four years to, to build that so that's what that that lot that you're talking about that's what that is uh, is going to be for yeah so uh, I, again the, the planning commission agreed that was probably a better use of the land and so they, they did that uh, not much discussion did you say Sloan Tresvent neighborhood uh, it's, well, it's not a neighborhood um, it's considered Sloan Tresvent subdivision is what it's called okay okay Sounds uh, like an Instagram model, doesn't it? Sloan Tresvent. I mean, really, doesn't it? It sounds like a Sloan Tresvent Instagram model. I need to get my daughter Sloan. Right. I, I mean, that sounds like an influencer. I mean, I, you know, that's Sloan Tresvent. Sounds like who you would hear hanging out with Paris Hilton back in the day. Mr. Rooney. What are you talking about? I need to get my daughter. What are you even talking about? You remember Ferris Bueller? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mr. Rooney. Exactly. So, um, anyway. Make a phony phone call to Edward Rooney. <sighs> you make me make a phone. You're doing great. You're doing great. Call me sir, damn it. Yes, 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 sir, yes, sir. That's better. Uh, anyway, so sorry. Sorry for the Ferris Bueller. Again, Sloan Tresvent, so that was done. Uh, and then the, the last thing that was approved Tuesday was the final plot approval for the uh, Habitat for Humanity. This is last Tuesday, of course. The Habitat for Humanity was looking, there are two lot, uh, two uh, residential lots this time, uh, and combining into one lot on the southwest of the square and, and the, uh, the area southwest of the square. And they've uh, been able to do that because the house that they had planned uh, was not, would not fit the current lot. 
and so this will uh, take two lots into one and you know and again great thing uh, that means Hernando will be getting the next habitat house which will be great uh, for all the the churches or the other service like minded clubs around here to be able to uh, contribute to that so all those were items that were on the agenda that were approved now there are two things that were on the agenda that were uh, either not approved or tabled uh, the first was is that the dip of course, Velvet Cream, everybody's familiar with it on 51. They were requesting a variance uh, in the re required front yard setback to add an addition into the front of their building. Uh, Becky Flynn, the owner, uh, and the son, her son had the architect Susan Stout were the ones that spoke in favor to present it to the board. The plan is to add, or their plan is to add an indoor uh, ordering area to the front of the building. They wanted to add about 20 feet to the front. Now, MDOT requires you to be 50 feet uh, or more away from the center of uh, of Highway 51. Obviously, Correct. that's a, a state highway. However, the it was not 50 feet from the uh, city guidelines from the side of the road. So MDOT says the middle, but the city says you have to be 50 foot if you're a commercial from the side of the road. Uh, so it did not meet that. Uh, the square footage was increased. So the the discussion was if the square footage was increased, then they would all they have to have more parking spaces. Sure. Because you have to have so many parking spaces per square foot, and the planning commission did not agree that by adding more building uh, and taking away parking spaces, there was nowhere else to put more parking. So um, you know, so you would actually be reducing the area that you would actually need for the additional square footage. So the motion, uh, you know, so they actually put it up. There was a motion for approval of the variance. Uh, however, it was voted down four to two. So four to two uh, is what uh, she remembered. Natalie remembers it uh, being voted down four to two. And um, so it did not pass. And so the dip now has 10 days to appeal to the Office of Planning. As good as that location is, that's a tough spot. I mean, every one of, all of us have passed on 51 and thought, man, this place is packed or it's backed up or, you know, cars and so forth. But as good as that location is, they are kind of, you know, like you just said, variances and certain amount of feet off the road and all those kind of things. It's going to be tough for expansion, especially towards 51. It is. And I know the city is really, you know, there's been a couple of projects around actually around the corner right there in, in that area uh, that they have really come down on the parking they do not want to use valley street they sure. do not want to use uh any of the other ones northern street or you know around the corner anything like that uh for additional parking they want to they do not count side street parking as parking for commercial correct and the the residences are you know obviously the the residents that live there are very you know happy with that or the, or you know, really hold them to that. You know, unless you're able to buy, you know, a piece of land next to you that may be available, it's going to be hard to, you know, uh, to do it unless, you know, maybe some type of parking structure, but that's a whole other, you know, yeah, uh, can of worms to open up with the city. Absolutely. That's a whole other level of stuff that I don't know if the dip's willing to, to do or pursue, or I don't know what their plan would be or what they could do. I mean, I really, I really don't know what they could do for growth or, or growth towards 51, especially. Yeah. Um, I, I could understand the one indoor, you know, because it gets hot. I mean, it could be pouring oh, down absolutely. rain, and people have to walk from their car, you know, have to walk a short roof line over you know, the awning. So I can understand them wanting to do that to get me. They're trying to do it for the customers. It's not like they're looking for nefarious reasons, uh, and you know, to put this structure. Uh, it's just that you know, it does it does you know go against what the city is. It does require more parking, and so um, you know, it's just a it's just kind of a tough spot that they're in. Yeah, it looks like the uh, the new management there uh, at the Velvet Cream is is making some efforts to make some changes and do some different things uh, for the future. So, <laughs> same thing I was just saying. It's going to be tough uh, right there on that great location, but it's really tough. They're kind of 
locked into what they have. Uh, the other thing that was looked at, of course, was Madison Lakes, uh, the large uh, planned unit development, the large PUD right there at Mackinville and Bahalia, uh, extending all the way, of course, around Jay Bird, all the way up to Green Tea Road, that um, you know large area. And so that was brought up, and the, the plan uh, was amended from 2019 when there was a lot of you know, uh, uproar for some of the citizens about uh, the number, the density, uh, the number of potential maybe apartments, maybe townhomes, that sort of thing. So they brought a uh, a, a much better plan uh, according to the planning commission, uh, and they they did you know uh, address a lot of what the complaints were last year. But there were three main items that were looked at uh, last Tuesday. The first one was there was retail uh, shown to be located at the corner of Bahalia and Mackinville was the first one. There was some, some pushback on that from basically right across from the country club. You would have some type of retail, larger retail. And so, you know, there's concerns about the people that live right across the street in the country club about lighting, about traffic, about, you know, how late would it be open, you know, those kind of concerns. Uh, and also concern from the planning commission on the same thing. So more of a, like a, for instance, like a convenience store right there off the exit. Where the exit is going to meet, Mackinville is a commercial spot. Now, this is by Hellia and Mackinville. This would be across the street from the church, Catacombs. Southern Bancorp. Southern yeah. Bancorp. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, across from, yeah, right there at that other corner. I got you. So that hard area yeah, right you there. you across from the, the country club. So I was picturing commercial property. I meant the right? country club neighborhood. I'm sorry. Okay. Country club yeah, neighborhood. Yeah, okay. Got you. The, okay. So so basically a two, three acre on the northeast corner of by Hellia and Mackinville, they have an issue with. Again, this is, and I'm not, I, I was not there. Uh, we're just getting, you know, again, we're just, just in talking. Um, that was one of the, the concerns was that what that retail looked like there. Uh, the second one was driveways coming off of Bahalia Road and Green Tea Road. Correct. So you would you know people have people turning into homes off of Bahalia Road, of course, with that bad turn right there at Jaybird, and off of Green Tea Road, which of course now is going to be connecting to the exit, uh, you know, runs perpendicular to the new exit there, uh, 69. And so people, they were very concerned about the driveways, new driveways being there, a lot of stop and go traffic, and, and just the potential for accidents being caused uh, on those two roads with, with, you know, people actually stopping to turn into driveways. Uh, and then I mean, we, more than likely, we're headed towards at some point. We're headed towards a light at Jaybird Mahalia. In oh, some way, correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, instead of the big turn, it'll have to be a stop turn. That, that's where we're headed. Whatever, five but years from now. I like think that. more of this was. I think they, you know, uh, and again, the overall plan. I think was actually you know, they were the planning commission was very appreciative. I think it was more the fact that they want okay, let's have main turns into the sure, project, sure, and then yes. you have. You know, cul-de-sacs yes. coming off where you're not actually having separate driveways coming yes. in off of Bellhelia and off of Green Tea. And Road. as the developer, they, they gave up the townhomes, the apartments that people were worried about. And so they gave that. They removed that from the plan. So they're, they're trying to, whether it be get their money back and, or uh, get their investment back, whatever it is, in some way, shape, or form. So we all got to be flexible here. Uh, you have to be flexible when it comes to these things. We can't. T- if the answer is not no, uh, it needs to be steered into a, a everybody's happy kind of situation. So by giving up potentially millions of dollars over time in uh, townhomes, apartments, those type things, the planning commission and, and, and the public has to throw them a bone in some way. But I agree. Coming coming in uh, off by hell, you would be pretty hard. No, yeah. It makes sense. You got to go. Yeah, I think that was, you know, very, you know, the, the residents that may have made phone calls about that and the planning commission themselves having the, the foresight in that, I think, was, was very good. Uh, the third main thing that they looked at was the quality of the homes and the architectural standards that will have been written into the PUD. Now, we don't know, you know, again, when you bring these things, it's sometimes it's not okay with shingles have to be this it could be as uh, descriptive of that it could go down to that that level of of uh you know knowing exactly you know what they want to do but it sounds like in this case it may have been a little vague 
And so the planning commission really uh, talked with the developer, uh, Bob Dahlhoff, who with DT Design Studio was the one bringing this, but talked to uh, him uh, specifically, hey, look, you know, what are, we, what are you trying to do? What are the homes going to look like? What are they going to be made of? Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I think that they wanted to see more definite put into the plan so there could be, you know, less uh, issues once the houses start being built. And so he, he agreed. Uh, he said that um, he was very open to the concerns, uh, was very open. Uh, the, the word was understood, the concerned, uh, you know, probably said, yeah, that's probably right about the driveways. And so uh, I think that he is, uh, you know, amicable into, you know, to, to trying to bring something back. They've been tabled until uh, October 13th. Of course, the planning commission meets once a month. And so the next meeting, uh, it has been tabled with those, you know, concerns until October 13th. Current plan, just for everybody to know. Now, again, remember we, Matt just said that, you know, they talked about, they did get rid of the, a lot of the townhomes, the apartments, actually, you know, all of them. And so this is the current plan for all those um, you know who are wondering uh, there's a minimum now of a 2,000 square foot house uh, for the whole entire PUD uh, that's heated and cooled and there will be a senior living facility somewhere you know in the project there'll be a 1,042 potential homes total 1,000 homes over there 1,042 wow. yep potential homes at a density of 5.1 of building space in other words 5.1 uh, homes uh, per acre uh, is what the average will be of the building space. Now, you understand there's a lot of ponds. There'll be common areas that does not count in the building space. In the building space, it'll be 5.1 homes an acre. But for the entire overall space, it's 2.9. So basically something about every third of an acre, right. which, I, which is, I think is very fair. Uh, so it's 356 acres total, 1,042 homes. Uh, you'll have 82.23 acres of retail and 4.13 acres of office space. Uh, and so, and then the, they plan on the homes ranging somewhere from the three hundred to four hundred thousand dollar range. Wow, on very, average, very interesting. I mean, it is what it is. Proved in 2005. They've been working on it ever since. So, uh, Madison Lakes, the project is coming. It's really the, the next decade of Fernando growth and stuff might be right there on that northeast side of um, of Bahia and Mackinville. I mean, the lots are needed. Again, it's it's that's what it's for. That's what it's always been approved for. You know, for the last fifteen years. And so, I think that that it sounds like that the. The owners of the property, along with the design studio, uh, is very aware of what you know the city of Hernando you know wants, the residents want, the the city itself wants, and so they've done a good job and some back and forth. And look, it's a compromise, and so they're getting closer and closer. You know, they're going to address these three issues uh, at the next meeting. You know, we went from many issues, now we're down to three issues. I would assume that these three issues are are, are met and uh, you know agreed upon. You can be looking at a um, planning commission recommending this to the board of aldermen. As early as next month. Right, so. pretty soon, pretty soon. Well, I mean, Derek, what you're worried about is not the thousand houses that live right across from you if you're in that country club neighborhood. It's really the focus of the lighting. That's right. That's at, the, at the retail store, that's what you really want to focus on. Well, I not think, the thousand houses. The 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 focus on the lighting uh, at the convenience store at the corner by Hay and Mackinville is most important. Well, I, th I think that you know, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> if I mean I live in the middle of a neighborhood, so it's hard for me to say this. But if, if you know if I'm living in a neighborhood, and, and I mean a country club is a it's a it's a nice neighbor, nice area. And if you have a retail, you know you're, you're probably going to be wondering about the height of the lights, um, you know the actual lighting, lighting itself, the height of the lights. You're going to uh, signage. Um, you're going to be worrying about how you know how close it is, what's going to be allowed, what's what's the what's you know how long will they be allowed to be open? I mean just. Again, I mean, I'm not saying that you know there's not houses across from gas stations or or other type of retail. There absolutely is, but I think it's just more concern about you know what exactly that retail looks like at that corner. And I, you know, and I'm sure they'll come to an agreement because again, you're not going to put a house at the corner. You're nope. not going to put so there will be something there. But I think it's probably just getting more uh, 
questions answered about what what's going there. I understand. I'm just being very sarcastic. You know? uh, no, I understand. You understand. That's my job here to be very sarcastic. All right. So that leads into so all that uh, was approved at the planning commission. So that leads into uh, uh, as a, a preview at the beginning the Alderman meeting tonight. So tonight. Uh, the board will be looking to request the approval from Dale Wilson from what we just talked about, uh, his three townhomes right there just north of 1 Memphis Street. They'll be looking to uh, the final plat approval for that commercial spot up in Nesbitt, uh, two commercial lots into one. The final plat approval of the um, one at East Commerce from two commercial lots to one. And um, there also something that was not handled in the uh, Planning Commission was the request for the final pot approval uh, for the revision to Lot 1 of West South Hills Subdivision. Uh, and then that was, uh, and excuse me, that is, uh, this was, this is what's actually considered for the Habitat of Humanity. Uh, it's revision to Lot 1 of West South Hills Subdivision Section A. So this, the Habitat of Humanity lot will go at the northeast corner of Gin Street and Southern Street. Gin Street and Southern Street. So you have those going tonight uh, along, as I said, with the... Um, with the budget approval. So if you're interested in that, you know, attend the meeting tonight, 6, 6 p.m. at City Hall. If not, if you can't make that, then you can, uh, you know, they post it about an hour after or so. Uh, you can be able to find that uh, on their website and be able to watch it for yourself. Yeah, Derek, I mean, we've talked about it for the last six weeks now about the uh, how neat it is that you can watch the YouTube Live channel or li YouTube Live feed or whatever about an hour after. Definitely a good thing by both cities. Hernando, and as we talked about before, South Haven does that as well. Switching to South Haven real quick, a little bit of South Haven news. Derek, we discussed off the air, a linear park, very similar to the uh, large sidewalk that's going right across from Hernando High School, going from basically Walmart all the way up to Ma uh, Pleasant Hill uh, area in, in, in Hernando. Well, South Haven is going to be doing something very similar. Uh, as you said, uh, Derek going to be going attaching Snowden Grove, Snowden Grove Park, which obviously is maybe the most known park in DeSoto County, all the way up Chelahoma to uh, Central Park in Chelahoma. Now, Central Park is known to most DeSoto County uh, residents as where they put the lights up for Christmas, correct? If you picture where the lights are at Christmas time in South Haven, a ride through there with your kids, that park, trying to connect that park with a linear, you know, 10, 11 foot wide sidewalk all the way to Snowden Grove Park uh, could be really neat for the city of South Haven. Um, I mean, I could just imagine the number of kids on bikes and stuff like that on that park would be really good a good spot connecting i would assume connecting into silo square mm -hmm. through that suit through silo square yeah yeah could be a really neat project yeah it's going to start uh go all the way down from central park down chillahoma road it looks like it's going to be on the east side east side down chillahoma all the way down and it's going to go over to um may boulevard uh which is the may boulevard is you know, kind of where the silo square will cut through all the way from Getwell to Chihuahua. And then it'll go through May, toward, heading east all the way to Getwell. So, you know, just a big, large L. Uh, it's going to be a 10-foot path, very similar, as uh, Matt mentioned, to the one uh, on McInvale. And so, again, the, the city of South Haven is doing it, about a $1.4 million project. And just a, a, a great thing. This is, a, you know, part of the uh, county's overall um, want uh, and or need. Uh, to do the kind of the greenways uh, across the, the county. And so they, uh, South Haven had joined the Green Print uh, to 2040 plan for Memphis about five years ago, trying to make South Haven more pedestrian friendly. And this goes a long way toward doing that. So, you know, kudos to them for doing that. You know, again, there's another great uh, project for that city. Uh, and again, and being able to connect everything that's going on right there at Snowden Grove. Derek, you and I can see our, our, our listening 
uh, things through our podcast. South Haven is beginning to pick up on our show. Uh, the UTW podcast is growing each and every week. Number of listeners uh, each week is growing, um, what we would say, tremendously. Uh, so thank you for supporting us. But we're starting to get into and creep into that South Haven area. So uh, shout out to the uh, Silo Square project, the people that are in charge of that. I passed by there a good bit. It's booming, man. It's starting to really come together, the construction and everything. Um, you know, pretty soon going to have hopefully Snowden Grove uh, back open to concerts and the amphitheater back open to concerts. The, the building there, Derek, you and I have discussed the uh, cigar bar that's going to be on the top of there. If you own the cigar bar and would like to advertise on the UTW podcast, certainly reach out to us uh, if you like. Uh, Derek, kind of shifting from um, government, shifting from that public entity, I guess, shifting over to education. The Soda County Schools, uh, as we talked again off air, uh, the Soda County Merit Scholars were announced yesterday. And, national uh, Merit. National, national I'm Merit sorry, The Soda County National Merit Semifinalists were announced yesterday. And we're not going to give names. Uh, the kids know who they are, of course. We're not going to give names. But it, it reads that we maybe had a record number of those, correct? Well, we had 28 uh, in the county. So 28 in the county. There was 25 in the public schools, three at North Point. You know, and those of y'all that are not uh, familiar with the National Merit Semifinalists, uh, these are tests that are taken usually they're junior year of high school or maybe either leading into or during their junior year of high school they take the PSAT uh, the PSAT and then based on that they are scored uh, pretty much every junior around the nation does this and then they are scored uh, basically compared to each other and the national merit semifinalists are the top uh, of those top numbers uh, from across the nation so we had 28 that scored uh, that were able to qualify uh, in DeSoto County from those the national merit finalists will be chosen national merit finalists uh, are you know it's a very uh, rare very uh, elite group of students you know basically if you if you are a national merit finalist uh, which will be narrowed down here over the next six months you are you know <laughs> scholarships you know they, they just hand them out to you it's like you know uh you can have your choice of where you want to yeah, go you're highly coveted yeah i'm mean, assuming now you do have to go to the grades I and mean, they do look at gpa too so if you know somebody that you know can test very well but don't do very well in the classroom that still has something to do with it however most of these kids are both and you know they'll, they'll be able to kind of you know whatever school that they're interested in going to if it's if you put national merit finals by your name i mean you you can you know if if you want to go there you can go there. right and we want to congratulate those uh, men and women uh, young men and young ladies uh for their hard work uh, the the 28 th- across the county uh wish you good good luck nothing but the best of luck to to maybe reach the end goal there the national merit final finalist uh but again Wonderful news, DeSoto County, 25 in the public schools, three at North Point. So shout out to those uh, those kids and congratulations to them. Uh, also, something else in education, Derek, real briefly, uh, the state of Mississippi is allowing or has been announced free breakfast and lunch through December 31st. If you have your child go to a public school, they're allowed to have breakfast and lunch. And I think that's just a great thing for the state. You know, this helps a lot of people uh, who, you know, depend on the schools for their, their meals. Uh, there's a lot of children, unfortunately, who are undernourished, and so they do look to the schools. And when you know schools are closed, or if they're having to do online learning, you know, for any type of period of time, not only are they missing out on uh, a potential education, they're also missing out on meals. And it's you know it, it is a sad fact. Uh, DeSoto County, you know, as as well as our county does, and as low as our unemployment is, you know, based you know compared to the rest of the state. We still have a lot of people that struggle, and so I think this is a wonderful thing uh, that the state is doing, uh, being able to offer those, you know, at least two meals per day to these students. And so I, you know, I could not commend the state more for offering this. Absolutely, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, this has been on my heart since March when everything got canceled, or when they when they put a stop to school and, and put a halt to everything. I constantly thought of and, and was concerned for those kids who relied on school meals Monday through Friday. You and I both know of stories that where people had got their last meal on Friday lunch uh, for school and didn't get another one until Monday morning for breakfast for school. So just um, 
you know, a great thing the state of Mississippi is doing. And thank you for DeSoto County Schools following through with that and, and offering that. And, and, and if you can hear our voice and, and that's something that you need or something that interests you, please take advantage of that opportunity. Last thing, Derek, uh, you can update us a little bit. So the Mississippi Education, not Education Department, but as, as a whole, the state of Mississippi education numbers have increased what I would say tremendously over the last year, uh, the scores and the test scores and stuff. Can you catch us up? Yeah, now, you know, Mississippi's, you know, usually the punchline of a lot of jokes about education or and also or could also be the butt of a lot of jokes about education. But the state has done tremendous strides in the last five years on raising our overall level of education in Mississippi. Our test scores show that. And so Mississippi overall, this is a been just uh, last year they earned an overall grade of a c minus 70.5 out of 100 points putting us closer to the national average the national average is a 72 out of 100 so we're just about a point and a half away from reaching the national average uh, education across the nation now you know some of y'all that have moved from other areas y'all probably snicker at that you know wow you're trying to get to an average but you know, for Mississippi, I mean, this is a, they've made again tremendous strides. You know, the uh, we're one of only the five states to see the, all of our overall and scores improve. So it was us, the District of Columbia, South Dakota, uh, and then uh, Louisiana uh, also saw their overall scores improved. And so Mississippi was recognized. We gained six point two points. So 6.2 points overall, which, of course, led the nation, uh, that improved our overall grade from a D plus. So we were as low as a D plus in 2008. Now we're a solid C, a solid C overall. And this is, of course, based on uh, family income, parental education levels, parental employment, fourth grade reading levels, and eighth grade math is what we improved upon to help our prove our chores. Uh, we also made the most progress in the nation uh, in the K through 12 achievement index from 2019 to 2020. We, uh, the state improved its score by 5.2 points during that time. And our, the largest part of that was the fourth grade students proficient in math and reading on the National Assessment of Educational Progress, which is the NAEP. Uh, and so, you know, Dr. Kerry Wright, the state superintendent, very, you know, obviously happy with this, given outstanding recognition for our teachers and the leaders in our state being able to do this. You know, so Mississippi was the number one spot in the nation for gains. Again, both the uh, student of proficiency in fourth grade and eighth grade reading and mathematics. And Mississippi was the only state of the nation to show significant increases in three of the four NAEP subjects. So, again, just a great job that our you know, state is doing overall for education now. Obviously, you know, the last nine weeks of last year, you know, everybody took a hit, not just us, it's across the nation. So I still think that that holds true. And I'm really looking forward to the strides that they're making and watching you know, additional improvements over the years to come. You and I come from a, a household of educators, uh, both uh, both our moms, correct? Correct. Yeah. Your mom and my mom were both uh, educators, and so that's important to us. And, and just a... Um, a pat on the back from the Under the Water Tower podcast to our local teachers, administrators, and then as Mississippi as a whole. There, you, rarely do you hear the word Mississippi and increase in education or Mississippi and led the nation in something education related. So just a good article there and, and, and good thing to see. So congratulations to the state of Mississippi and uh, congratulations to those teachers that, that have worked so hard. And again, keep it up. The podcast is brought to you by The Print House, located at 2462 Church Street right here in Hernando. The Print House is your one-stop shop for printing services. Business cards, banners, screen printing for t-shirts, as well as a showroom full of all your vinyl and t-shirt needs. Whether it's a new logo or marketing plan for your business or a large order of t-shirts for your family reunion or church group, the ladies at The Print House can help. Simply give them a call at 662-298-3105. That's 662-298-3105 
or find them online at theprinthousems.com. That's theprinthousems.com. Podcast also brought to you by Precision Services, located in Hernando. Whether you're a real estate flipper or a homeowner with simply too much in your yard, Precision can help. They specialize in residential or commercial renovations. With over 20 years' experience in the demolition, junk removal, and construction business, Precision is eager to bid on your next project. Give them a call at 662-469-4189. Mention the Under Under the Water Tower podcast and get 5% off your estimate instantly. That's 662-469-4189. This part of the show is the Fact of the Week. Fact of the Week uh, is provided by... The DeSoto County Museum, Rob Long is the curator there, and again, just a wonderful job providing us with these facts each week, and also just a wonderful job uh, maintaining and, and increasing uh, just a, a wonderful museum that we have that's such a jewel of the county. It was, uh, again, opened in 2003. At the time it was open, it was uh given the title of the best small museum uh, in Mississippi. And so we just really appreciate uh, them giving the fact every week and for all the job that Rob does. Again, we cannot we do it every week, but I'm going to continue to do it. If you've never been to the museum, please come down to Soto County Museum. Please tell Rob Long that the UTW podcast sent you. And, um, and again, admission is free. Best price there is, admission is free. The fact of the week this week, remember last week we talked about the Plank Road being built from Memphis down to Hernando with toll stops every eight miles. Well, in the fall of 1852, the Mississippi and Tennessee Railroad Company was chartered under the laws of Mississippi. This railroad was completed to Batesville by 1855 and to Grenada by 1857. It covered a total of 99.72 miles. Okay, so all you people that complain every day about the train about 12 o'clock when it just loves to come through town and kind of park in the middle, yes, it, it, you know, it is a pain, but it was put here, you know, it was originally put here in 1852. And before the establishment of the Plank Road in that railroad, Cockrum, which is, of course, in the eastern portion of the county, was growing at a faster pace than Hernando. When these two arteries, when the Plank Road uh, was, excuse me, was put in and the railroad was put in in two years later in 1852, these two arteries stimulated the growth of Hernando and it stifled the growth of the places off the main line. So I know everybody complains about the train coming through, usually about... 12 and then again around 4 4 30 when people are trying to start getting home from work no 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 it comes through at 12 and sits there till 4 That's, 4 30 that, that may be correct <laughs> however without that without that train track hernando would not be hernando it would have you know, again cochran was growing we may be talking this from under the water tower whatever water tower cochran has but because of those two those two things happening at the uh, within two years of each other it it's you know made hernando the main stop in desoto county and so that's why we're here today so again that's the desoto county fact of the week what an amazing thing Derek! you and i've driven through dozens of of, of small towns in Mississippi where you can see where the train tracks were. You can see where the, the hustle and bustle was 1850, 1880, whatever it was. And then you see the highway a mile away that has drawn so much out of the, the downtown areas. Some of these, I mean, awesome places, awesome downtown buildings still sitting there vacant. Some of them have been vacant for a hundred years, maybe uh, since the, uh, well, not that long, <laughs> but, yeah. but, but since the, the main highways have come through 60s, or 60, 60s, yeah, 60s, the 60s, the highways 60s. have come through those uh, downtown areas are really just, you know, some of them have died on the vine. Good fact of the week right there from the Soto County museum. Again, take your kids, get over there. I believe it's open Tuesday through Saturday. Tuesday through Saturday. That's right. Uh, I, I believe so, yeah. Um, 10 to 4, yeah. Tuesday 10 to 4, Saturday. Tuesday through Saturday. Rob Long and the people there at the DeSoto County Museum did such a good job. So please uh, try and get by as often as possible to uh, to visit and see Rob uh, over there with them. Thank you again for the fact of the week. Time of the show. Excuse me. We turn to sports. And first of all, Matt, who that? Yes, sir. Saints win. Big win. 
Saints big win um, for all, anybody out there, and you know, God bless you if you are that a Tampa Bay fan. Could not care less that they lost. They are a division rival. You know, I say rival and in, in quote they have not been good for about twenty years. Glad to see that the quote unquote savior himself goes down there and still takes the beating from the Saints. Could not be more excited about that. So uh, again, uh, Saints start off the season one and zero. Breeze didn't look the best. Could not be excited about that. More more excited. So good start to the season. Look forward to watching them in Vegas on Monday night coming the new up stadium. this week. New stadium. And also, uh, who that to the Boudin Balls. That's right. Boudin Balls, our fantasy football team, uh, moves to 1-0 moves to on the season. That, that's, a, that's a given. That's we, which year, I believe is the ninth, maybe the ninth time in a row uh, that we've beat the same person on uh, the first week of, <laughs> of fantasy football. So, uh, we play the second the same person on the second week for about the ninth time in a row, and our, our statistics are pretty good there. That's good. Yeah, saw and Shaky just bless his heart. He tried. He, he does. I he, mean, he did I set mean, a lineup. He, he did, he did a put lineup. a lineup in. Probably would have been better just to rest his players because it didn't really matter. Uh, but we did, and, and you know it was enjoyable to watch. Um, and so we move on to next week. I think the, um, the 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 guy that we play next week, no punt intended, no punt intended. Oh wow. Yeah, I that's mean, that's his name. Uh, yeah, that that's the name of the team. And let me say, this man is not an English major, so I, I don't know what he's going with the puns. But mm, it was, that's a that's a that's a tough read. That's, that's a tough that's read. A, that's a very interesting, uh, very interesting name. I want to wish him uh, good luck with that. All right, we'll go from what we both love, uh, Saints and fantasy football, and now we turn to another one of our loves, which of course is uh, is the local high school sports agenda. Hey, Derek, before we get started on last week's games and then the game, the games coming up, something we did not recognize last week, last Friday, from the first week of public school football, the newer websites. Sportsbook Live, where we get our news from, mm-hmm. covers high school sports all across the country. Uh, Reed Flanagan from Hernando High School was named Player of the Week for Scorebook Live, um, their website, and so forth. So I want to give a shout-out. I think Reed had seven catches for 158 yards and a long touchdown in the narrow loss to Sal Panola in week one. So shout-out to him and, uh, and and his team for that. You know, anytime you get State Player of the Week in any type of situation, that's a that's definitely a congratulation coming from the UTW podcast. We, we were already done wrapping our show by the time it was announced or, or it was finally released. Now, turning to Reed and the Hernando Tigers to kind of segue us into that, Derek, Tough night, tough night on the east side of the county. Uh, we we were actually it's amazing how the world has changed. We were able to watch the the football game as we drove to Nashville. We could pull it up on our on our yeah, cell phone yeah, yeah. and watch the stream it. watch yeah stream a high school football game uh, on the way to to Nashville. Hernando Tigers fall to zero and two on the on the season. Take a hard loss, hard fought loss to the Center Hill Mustangs. Center Hill moves to one and one. They lost to South Haven uh, week one, 14 7, but uh, put together a lot of points uh, this past Friday night, 42 28 over the Hernando Tigers. Uh, you and I picked Hernando on Friday to to get off the uh, off the mat, uh, but it didn't happen this week. No, and I've uh, heard I've got we've got a, a friend who is uh, one of the administration uh, at Center Hill. He did make sure to text me late Friday night that our pick was horrendously wrong. <laughs> And so, um, you he, know, does, so he listens to the podcast. He does listen to the podcast, yes, we, which we know uh, who he is. Yes, and and, and shout out for, for listening. Uh, but we also, uh, yeah, we, we will take the humble pie. We did pick yes. that incorrectly. We don't, we don't pick many wrong. We did pick that one wrong. So congratulations to the Center Hill Mustangs. We will pay much more closer attention to you going forward. Right, and you and I did the math just to set up some things. We figure out the Mustangs may not win many of our must uh, our mascot battles. That is correct. Going forward, we don't know if they're going to be of the mascot battles uh, next maybe, game. Maybe the Eagles. Yeah, maybe the Eagle. Yeah, maybe, maybe the Eagle. Maybe they can Mustang can beat the Eagle. Anyway, like we talked about, Mustang can't beat the Chief. That's proven. Yeah. That's been proven. Anyway, so uh, next game was Olive Branch against Corinth. Uh, Olive Branch hosted Corinth uh, over uh, on the east side of the county. 
um, on Friday night. Olive Branch got the win, 24-23. Really close game there. Uh, but Olive Branch did get the victory to move to 2-0 and on the season. So congratulations to uh, the guys over uh, in Olive Branch, you know, beating, beating the court, the Warriors in, in a close game. But it's only going to get tougher from here. Yeah, uh, Olive Branch, you know, had basically just – Ran the ball on Corinth to get that 24-23 victory. Uh, Ty Walton had uh, 108 yards. Kamarin Ford had uh, 96 yards and two touchdowns. Trey Phillips had 64 yards and one touchdown. Uh, as for passing, they had zero yards passing. Wait, uh, you tell me no no yards passing? No, in high 294 football. yards rushing, three touchdowns. Uh, obviously had the field goal. All right, so the game uh, the game started at seven, was over at eight fifteen. Yeah, so again, just a, <laughs> just absolutely, they they found okay. Well, they looked at Corinth and said, you know what? We don't think these guys can handle our rushing attack, and it looks like they were correct. Uh, able to get the twenty four twenty three victory, just really milking the clock. They did have, you know, of course, part of the running. You know, there there could be some fumbles. They did have four fumbles, two of them were lost. Um, but and they also had uh, did a good job. The punter did a really good job, almost averaged forty yards a punt. Uh, so again, they looks like they ran the ball, uh, played field position, played defense, and so they were able to. Come away with 24-23 victory. Interesting. So 40 yards a punt, you know, eh, it's okay. Could be better. It's high school, man. I, well, you know, I mean, I, I, I mean, punted, not I punted in high school. We'll tell, I'll tell that story some it's other time. It's not Thomas Morstead. I, 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 punted, I punted in high school. But, uh, you know, 40s average. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I scored four touchdowns in a high school game. Did you really? No, not really. I'm, oh, okay. That's okay. an Al Bundy thing. Oh, Al Bundy, my bad. Uh, look, uh, Arlington Tigers. Arlington Tigers took care of the Lewisburg Patriots. Lewisburg had to travel up to North Shelby County to play Arlington. Uh, Arlington rolled up the points. 49-28. Probably it didn't seem very close at all. 49-28. Tigers over the Patriots um, in, in that last game. Yeah, Arlington run out to a 14-0 lead. Never really looked back. It did get kind of close uh, in the second quarter, uh, but then Arlington scored 21 unanswered in the third quarter and really just put it away. Yeah, uh, Lewisburg again. Arlington, remember they had already played three games. Uh, this was their fourth game that they played, so they they know who they are. Um, they are you know they're cohesive. They you know they've gotten you know pretty much probably put all of their you know early you know season jitters and mistakes away and so Lewisburg it's a tough place to travel and get the win and unfortunately you know, Lewisburg couldn't do it yeah absolutely I mean sorry to the Patriots but could not pull out a win last week uh one team that did come out victorious the Soto Central did host the Pontotoc Warriors uh Derek on Friday I mentioned that you and I had a mutual friend that was once Miss Pontotoc sent her the uh, podcast on Friday and got a good good laugh out of that got a big smiley face and a couple of uh gifs back from her uh so anytime you can give, give a shout out to a former I think, that the, I think when we're able to come back together, maybe when we have the next social event in Hernando, she needs to wear the sash. Just have her wear the sash to, well, to the event. Well, you and I both know her pretty well. She may not start the evening with the sash on, <laughs> but it may end. <laughs> the evening may end with her having the sash yeah, on. But, but uh, yeah. anyway, DeSoto Central beat the Pontotoc Warriors 27-21 uh, to run their season record to 1-1 uh, on the young season. So, uh, good job by the Jaguars uh, hosting Pontotoc and, and getting it done there. Moving uh, a little bit well, further. I, I do have a couple stats on that. Uh, Jason Curry, the quarterback, was 7 of 17 for 138 yards and a touchdown. He also uh, had 53 yards rushing and a rushing touchdown. Say, uh, say the receiver's name. Go ahead. Good luck. Uh, okay. So, Branson <laughs> Titanoa uh, was five for, five for 115 yards. So, look, over 100 yards receiving. Yeah. That would be 14.5 points in our fantasy league because he gets three-point bonus for the 100 yards Did we yards win passing. fantasy this week? We did win we fantasy did? this okay. week. Joshua Johnson was one for 16 but made that one count. It was a TD. Uh, he was he had one reception for 16 yards, but it was a TD. Running back Marquise Fields had 11 rushes for 99 yards and a touchdown. 
And then Richard Coleman had 15 carries for 39 yards and a touchdown. So, again, great job by DeSoto Central, uh, who's on a bye this week coming up, which we'll discuss on Friday. They are on a bye, and so they can really enjoy this win and, and sit on it for two weeks. Really tough call by the coach there, knowing the kid was at 99 yards and wouldn't give him the ball one more time. Yeah. I mean, had 99 yards, and he wouldn't, wouldn't call Probably, his number. Yeah, you know, just give him the handoff to finish the game. Instead of taking the knee, let him run up the middle for a yard. I mean, 100. you talk about just showing favoritism in the high school ranks. <laughs> I mean, sorry. Lake Comrant hosted the Horn Lake Eagles. Derek, you and I talked about Horn Lake off to an 0-2 start. The Gators get the 31-21 victory. Uh, Horn Lake's going to have a tough year, it seems like. It's, it's going to be a struggle. Like you talked about two weeks ago, things kind of work in cycles. Horn Lake wins the state title undefeated two weeks, two years ago, and uh, this year is going to be a little bit tough for them. But uh, the Gators get the 31-21 victory. Lake Cormorant, 2-0 on the season, putting things together pretty well. Uh, shout out to those guys up there playing hard right there off the bluff. Good luck to you again next week. We'll break down the games for Friday, this coming Friday. But again, a lot of the DeSoto County schools are off to solid starts, whether it be a 1-1 one one or 2-0. and Right now, from what I can tell, uh, the only team that has yet to win so far is going to be the Hernando Tigers. Tigers. And Horn Lake. And Horn Lake. I'm sorry. Horn Lake right. and Hernando Tigers. Yeah, so we've got, you know, obviously we have six teams in Region 6A, so Division 6A, and so in, the, in Region 1, and then we have two in 5A. And so the ones that are in 5A, of course, the one you just talked about was like Cormorant. They are leading the division right now at 2-0, uh, followed uh, immediately by Center Hill who is 2-1. So Lake Cormorant, Center Hill, right now the top two in the division. Of course, this is the division that has West Point. It has uh, Lafayette. Uh, so it has uh, Columbus, all tough teams, which they'll have to face at some point this season. Uh, but right now they're on top of the table at 2-0 for Lake Cormorant, 2-1 for Center Hill. Where did Center Hill oh, excuse get me, the I'm, two and, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, they, that's 1-1. One 1-1, one. One one, okay. I'm sorry, 1-1. One one. It says 2-1, <laughs> but I think they actually uh, – it was miscalculated. It's one and one. For what, what did you get the? I mean, did you get the two and one record from our our podcast fan who who, who texted us about no, the No, S, 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 SB Live. Maybe somebody from uh, Center Hill decided to go ahead and just you know chalk up the next one. Exactly. Uh, but anyway, so they're one and one. So two and zero, oh, one and one, and Center Hill will be tied for Grenada for the second spot at one and one. Uh, on the six A side, you have Olive Branch at two and zero, oh, and Oxford at two and zero, oh, or top of the table. Uh, so both of them, and then of course South Haven is right behind that at one and zero percentage wise. Obviously, they're right. in second place uh, because they had a buy last week, uh, and then followed by Des- uh, Lewisburg at two and one. Uh, excuse me, one and one, and DeSoto Central at one and one. And so you've got basically four of the top five spots right now are DeSoto County teams, with Oxford being the other one at two and zero, and of course they will play each other. And so looking forward to the uh, rest of the season in that in that division. Absolutely, and like we say on this podcast each and every Friday. Get out, watch these kids, find out where they're playing. Uh, go celebrate the fact that uh, from a COVID-19 standpoint, we can go to the stadium. Uh, go enjoy that and enjoy those, these young men uh, playing football and, uh, and, and shout out to them. We're going to continue to cover you as long as we can or as much as we can uh, on the UTW podcast as it continues to grow. I joke around every Friday and Tuesday, Derek, that we're the fastest growing podcast in DeSoto County. We've narrowed down we might be the only podcast in DeSoto County, but well, that makes us the fastest growing. So if you'd like to advertise with us, please reach out to us like so many people have so far under the water tower info. That's under the water tower info at gmail.com for any advertising packages, advertising opportunities as we continue to grow. Derek, last uh, school that was in action last Friday, not a DeSoto County school, but we do cover them because they have a lot of DeSoto County kids. The Magnolia Heights Chiefs fall again. Uh, it's two losses in a row for them that 
brings our, our record to two and two against the Starkville Academy Vols. Could not get the win against them, uh, losing forty-eight to thirty-five. So not a lot of defense in that game. Uh, Magnolia Heights obviously can score some points, uh, but we got to figure out a way to kind of get the uh, get off the field. Yeah, and that was also you know just one of our picks, I believe, for the uh, mascot. Yes, uh, and that was our only loss of the week for the mascot. So uh, the Chiefs could not come through for us, uh, and they did take the uh, 48-35 loss. Starkville Academy, you know, they do have a good attempt. I believe they won the state championship in the last couple of years uh, for uh, their division. Uh, I think it's, I believe it's 5A uh, in the private schools. And so it's a, it's a tough going there to play that. And so I don't, you know, obviously, it, you know, you're going to have those tough road games. So hopefully the Chiefs can come back, regroup, and get the victory this week. Yeah, and reminder, North Point was on a bye for the last two Fridays because of the coronavirus quarantine uh, issue there. So uh, they, they were on a bye for two weeks. They come back this week against the ECS Eagles, correct? That is correct. Yeah, so North Point Trojans will travel to? Travel to. Travel to the ECS uh, Eagles this coming Friday. Going to be a tough game. We'll, we'll break that game down more on Friday, but definitely going to be tough. And then South Haven will be back in action uh, coming off their first bye or maybe only by the season. So real quick, Derek, our overall picks on the season, uh, and we're not picking spreads or anything like that. We're picking who we think is going to win. We moved to 13-3 and three on the season, so picking pretty well there. And then our mascot picks, as you just mentioned, moved to 7-2. and two. And what are the mascot picks? The mascot picks are what would happen if the mascot and the other mascot were in a cage or just got into a battle themselves. And so uh, what that ended up being is uh, the picks there are 7-2. and two. So what it's showing is, is typically when you look at the mascot, the stronger, tougher mascot that would win in a battle uh, seems to kind of be coming out a little bit ahead on the on the field as well. Yeah, right now that's how, that's how it's showing. Just so a thought. Again, just so, looking, uh, looking forward to the Friday games, looking forward to previewing those games uh, on Friday. And so, again, just good luck to the coaches, continued success. Uh, and for those that are, you know, kind of had a st- struggle to the start off, we'll just, you know, keep working at it, and uh, we'll know that you'll, you know, be on top soon. If you're, if you're picking a school mascot, if you're picking a school mascot sometime in the future, should you start a new school or whatever like that, <laughs> you definitely want to pay attention to who you're picking. You want a fierce, ferocious mascot for sure. Because right now, as of right now, uh, it's showing that the tougher mascot seems to, to, to win uh, at a higher percentage. But uh, anyway, shout out to the DeSoto County Schools. We want to wish you the best of luck. If you're enjoying our talk about high school football, fantasy sports, alderman meetings, uh, planning commission, any kind of government stuff like that, if you're enjoying the UTW podcast, please continue to contact us or connect with us on Facebook at UTW Podcast. That's UTW Podcast on Facebook. Instagram, same thing, UTW Podcast. Uh, on Instagram and then on Twitter it's UTW Pod that's UTW Pod on Twitter and most importantly hit the subscribe button at the bottom of your podcast provider whether it's Spotify or Apple or anywhere you get your podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast hit subscribe for the UTW podcast so we can continue to grow our subscription rate and continue to grow our listener volume uh, when we talk to advertisers if that's it Derek anything else that's all I've got all right I'm Matt and I'm Derek join us next time under the water tower Dropped off a pretty little girl